Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medication safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust if you build it he will it's the city on sports podcast with Aaron Cow. I throw balls far you want good words data language talk real sports with a real man come after me I'm a man I'm 40 now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Paul Jones drug Tuesday morning to you, Western Oklahoma. It is The Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, 1240 AM, KADS, the sports animal. Jared Atha hanging out in the driver's seat today. Aaron on location on the opposite side of the state, pretty much... Right down I-40, he's as far away from Arkansas as we are from Oklahoma as we sit in studio. He is over in Salisaw for the 12U OK Kids State Baseball Tournament, but he will be a part of the show with us today. We'll bring him on in just a little bit. Reminder about all the ways you can listen to us, of course, KADSAM.com. I mentioned you can listen to us on 98.1 FM, 1240 AM. You can also download our podcast and Pretty much every way you can get a podcast, you can find us. Follow us on Facebook and uh, download the Paragon app. Big thanks again to Paul Jones Drug, our Tuesday's sponsor. We'll talk about them throughout the show. A lot to talk about today uh, without looking at the rundown, and I'm not sure if I got one, and that's okay, Aaron. I, I, give, I forgive you because I know you're a little busy, but I bet we'll talk about what you're doing uh, over there in Salisaw. Also talk about maybe some uh, rule changes with the OSSAA, uh, kind of a, a big rule that came down that just you just brought to my attention this morning, and LSU winning a, another national title in college baseball, or should I say the SEC winning another national title in college baseball, and so much more. Aaron, what's up? How are you? How is um, the eastern side of the state? Uh, you know what? It is not, it were, at least last night, it wasn't as hot as I remember uh, it being. And I think that's going to change here in the next couple of days with the forecasted temperatures up the 100-degree weather. Or that range, uh, but at least last night it was actually pretty comfortable uh, as the game wore on and the sun started to go down. Uh, one one thing I noticed driving, you know, a lot of times as soon as you get east of I thirty five, the color changes from kind of brownish green to really bright green. It's the exact opposite. I, I think when you look at the bar ditches and everything around uh, the interstate. Western Oklahoma is actually greener, which means to me more rain, at least in the last little bit, than what it is like over here. Well, it's crazy. I, to I, I noticed uh, the last drought monitor report, which I think came out on Thursday, so I looked at it on Friday, and um, the report basically said that the drought conditions are obviously getting better out here in Western Oklahoma, but it is shifting to the east. So you're, that's probably what you're seeing right there. It might be a little drier the further east that you went. 
But you said it's still a little green, though. Still, I mean, it's not yeah, like yeah, a desert it, or anything. No, but it definitely, I, I, you can see what that monitor is, is reading for sure because uh, it's it, it's a little bit browner, you know, where there's some stuff that's, you know, like you look around home right now and then all you see is green. You know, there's not anything burned up yet. It hadn't been super duper hot. I know it's coming, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to to see what it looks like right now uh, on each on the on the opposite sides of the state and how much different that is than what we're used to and the, and what the norm is uh, between Western Oklahoma and Eastern Oklahoma. Well, like we said, you are in Salisbury, so that's why you're calling in. You're over there for the 12U State Baseball Tournament, OK Kids State Baseball Tournament. Hey, run it down for us. How'd it go yesterday with the Crushers? Uh, yeah, played awesome. Uh, pretty crazy to drive for what four hours across the state, and uh, the opponent in round one was Cheyenne, uh, with, you know, 25 miles away or whatever. <laughs> but uh, that's that was the case with the way that the regionals and um, the champion of one regional playing the runner-up of another. And anyway, uh, man, it was just, it was Elk City's night. Uh, from the from the word go, uh, the only thing that really went against the Crushers last night was the coin toss, which turned out that that didn't make any difference in the end. But I think it was eight or nine to nothing at the end of the first, or uh, after the top of the first, um, ends up to 17 to one. Uh, Crushers beat Cheyenne. Uh, the, the, these two teams, I mentioned it yesterday, that there's a history there from when they were T-ball. You know, they, they yeah. played close game after close game. So uh, a big-time anomaly uh, last night with these two teams. But, uh, man, just it was just a great performance. You know, it, it's one of those things, sometimes hitting is contagious. And, man, from the word go, uh, the Crushers were just – it was going to be hard for anybody in the tournament to beat them last night with the way they swung the bats. And then on the other side, pitching, um, you got what you need. You know, when you score eight or nine runs, the last thing you want to see is go out there and walk a bunch of guys. And I think through four innings is all that was needed in that game. I think there were only two walks in four innings. So the run that Cheyenne got, the guys that they did manage to get on base, they all had to earn it because the pitching was good as well. So, just an awesome, awesome uh, start to the tournament uh, for the Crushers. Things will get a lot more difficult uh, this evening, six o'clock against the Nanadarko team. That um, I think they, they played five times, kind of in their in their history, and only beat once. But the last time that they played was here in the state tournament two years ago, and uh, the Crushers they will beat Anadarko. But it'll be Anadarko in Elk City, six o'clock on one of the uh, bracket semifinals. I guess you could kind of call it. Um, Anadarko beat Salisaw Cowboys 18 to nothing. Then in the other two games in the blue bracket, uh, Stigler Reds topped the Guthrie uh, 405 baseball 11 to 8. And then the Shawnee PC Naturals came back. They were down 8 3 in like the third or fourth inning. Mm. They came back to beat Chickasha 9 to 8. So that's uh, the blue bracket winners on the other side. In the red bracket, Okarchi beat Winniewood 13 to 3. Fianne beat Alpha 12-4. Kingfisher beat Henrietta 5-2. And then the Salisaw Cardinals beat the Blanchard Boom 13-0. So maybe starting to see a little bit of separation in the brackets themselves. But um, uh, it was was a good day all around. 
so Anadark goes the next opponent going into it. Is that, I mean, you're obviously more plugged in and you mentioned the history within a Darko. Did it feel like that's the team, us, the crushers and warriors, that's the team. Those are the two teams that, um, can maybe get those top two spots or still too early to say. Yeah. The watch just kind of watching. Um, we want, we want, by the time we got here, just a little bit of the Shawnee Chickasha game. And then the entirety of Stigler, the Stigler Reds can swing the bats. That's uh, one thing that we all kind of are watching and kind of waiting, obviously, for the game to start. But, man, they can swing it. And so that's a, that's a, one of those that, you know, good pitching beats, good hitting most of the time, but you never know. And then, you know, for Shawnee to come back down 8-3, you know, and that's a team I know that, like, for the, the next summer, their 11U group has been one that's been – Either winning state state titles or playing for them uh, ever since you know coach pitch. And so the, this is a little bit older. It's it's funny, right? Because next summer is when like Wyatt and, the, and that Sayre team were were the older ones, and the guys on the Crushers that have to move up. And so it, it, I'm like seeing a totally different group of teams because these guys are like the older ones in the 12U division, whereas. Uh, when, when Sarah would make the state tournament, it would be the next summer, and it'd be it'd be different. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the, the, the teams that are young now would would be here next summer. So it, it's a little bit of a different uh, different grouping of teams. But I know going in, uh, once you saw the bracket, it was you know obviously Anadarpa was right there in the blue bracket. So that's a, that's one of those opponents that you kind of knew you had to face. And then on the other side. You know, between King Fisher and the Salisaw Cardinals, who beat the Crushers two summers ago here in Salisaw for the state title, um, that's another you know team. And then Okarchi is one that I know that everybody kind of had their eye on. But um, yeah, I think uh, uh, this is definitely uh, one of those opponents that, as soon as you saw the bracket, you knew that it was going to have a game or two with them uh, before you we're able to make it to the final four. You kind of mentioned it earlier. Is there a seeding process? Because unlike in, in softball, obviously I'm familiar, familiar with that, it, there is no regional. It, it's it's when your league uh, get top three or four, depending on how many participants you have in your league, and you qualify, and you could even buy your way into state if you wanted to, but most don't. But, but there's no seeding process. It's just throw them in a hat and pull them out and see where they land. Is there a seeding process in the state in the baseball side? Yeah, so you start out, I mean, before, uh, there's there's just like a bracket that's that's made up, and it does, it has, so in your regional, you're going to be in a different bracket than the team that was the runner-up. So like for, for us, uh, we're in the blue bracket, Alva's in the red bracket, and so I, I don't know what the rhyme or reason is as far as, I, don't, I wouldn't call it seeding, I think it's just kind of placement, where, you know, half of the champions on, are on one side, of the regionals uh-huh. playing runner-ups from others and then the other half on the other side. And then of course being here in Salisaw, you've got those two Salisaw teams that are, uh, get to get a spot because they're hosting. They're hosting. So it ends up being, yeah. It ends up being eight in each bracket after having seven regionals with two making it for 14. So you end up with eight in each bracket, the blue and the red. And that's, that's just kind of the way it goes. But are you, um, are the regional okay. champs more or less protected or, or higher seeded? Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, they just play a. They start out playing a, a runner-up. Yeah. Okay. I guess I guess you could say it is, but 
I also think it totally depends on what the strength of the regional is. You know, there there, there could be some places where a runner-up in a regional is a stronger team than what a champion of a different regional, if that makes any sense. Totally, yeah. So it's well. kind of, I mean, it's kind of luck of the draw as far as where you get where you get placed in regionals, uh, and and who you play if you win or if you you're, if you're the runner-up. Then um, that's why you know originally the regional that we were in was slated to be played in Ada, and so they do try to keep you know parts of the state away from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like and so an Ada regional was playing a Weatherford regional. You see what I mean? But it just so happened that with the teams that were in that regional slated for Ada, they just went ahead and played it at Weatherford. And so it's kind of weird the way that's set up with Elk City and Cheyenne having to play. But originally it was scheduled for Ada so that it's, you know, it's keeping, it's not like they were putting the Weatherford regional teams against each other. It just happened to be that way with the move from Ada to Weatherford last week. Gotcha. Okay. Curious. So uh, give me the schedule for today. All right. So, oh, darn it. Hang on a minute. Okay, so for today, um, at six, so it's at six o'clock, it'll be Elk City and um, and Anadarko in the Blue Browns. Just do the Blue Bracket first, yeah. Okay, so six o'clock, Elk City and Anadarko. Eight o'clock on the winter side, you have Stickler and Shawnee. Then this afternoon, the two o'clock game, the first round out of the box will be Cheyenne. Uh, Fran Raiden against the Salisaw Cowboys. And then the other elimination game is Chickasha and Guthrie. Okay. So two o'clock for Cheyenne playing the Salisaw Cowboys. And then six o'clock for the uh, Crushers playing Anadarko. Then on the other side of the red bracket, it's kind of the same. It's the same time, just a different field right there next to each other. So at two o'clock, it's Blanchard and Henrietta. I know the. I wonder what Henrietta's got left pitching because yesterday, Team Fisher is just another one of those teams that everybody knows. It's it's a fantastic, fantastic team, right? And I, I was didn't hear a bunch of cheering. You know, I couldn't see the scoreboard from where I was sitting uh, on that other field. So I looked it up on Game Changer at one point, and through three innings, and Keith Fisher didn't have a hit. And the Henrietta pitcher had struck out everybody. All nine outs were strikeouts. And then through five innings, Kingfisher had scored one run on one hit and struck out 15 times. Wow. So they, Henrietta obviously had one arm that was fantastic, but Kingfisher still ended up winning five to two. So yet, um, Henrietta will play Blanchard in an elimination game, Alva. We'll play Winniewood in an elimination game at 4 o'clock. Then the winner's bracket game start at 6. Kingfisher and Salisaw Cardinals. That's going to be a, a heck of a game. I'm just telling you right now. That's two of the better teams here for sure. And then Vianne and Okarchi will play at 8. There you go. And looking at your forecast, you have a 50% chance of rain today. So. Not really. <laughs> Hopefully that's wrong. But... If you're not getting rained on, um, uh, high near 95, heat index uh, as high as 102. So that uh, hot and uh, sweltering, muggy heat might be your deal today. Hopefully um, hopefully no rain, though. 
Because I mean, that's the last thing we want to see is another rain delay. By the way, you know, we got a storm through here this morning. Did you really? see that? Yeah. No, uh, knocked know. our power out at right at 6 a.m. at our house. And um, right, so we get up, get up, get ready in the dark, all that stuff. And right when we are getting in the car, click, power comes back on. I mean, what a <laughs> slap in the face. That's pretty funny because yesterday morning, uh, after the show, got some things tidied up around the station and went home and was stopped at uh, Mom's to get, we haven't got our, our outside, our little chest freezer moved down the street yet, right? Okay. And so we were going to take some hamburger meat over here because uh, we were able to you know, cook with where we're staying. And so Kara had raised up the garage door. We were in Mom's garage putting... Uh, some some tubes of hamburger meat into the, the uh, cooler to take to bring with us, and at some point between her raising up the garage door and us putting, I mean, the, all the time it was power went out. Oh, at that moment out there, out at our house, <laughs> so we had to had to, to manually shut <laughs> yeah. mom's garage door, and then. Uh, as we were leaving, it was maybe a 20-minute deal or whatever it was, because as we were leaving, it, it was coming back on. Uh, so, um, But that didn't have anything to do with storms. So you're telling me it's going to rain? That's uh. uh, what the uh, National Weather Service says, just a 50% chance. I see that as a 50% chance it's not going to rain. Think positive. I like where you're at there. So, hopefully, it, but it says time. before... 4 p.m. It doesn't say like when after, but it says before 4 p.m. You know, that, and you play at six, right? So maybe, six. maybe if you get past 4 p.m. with no rain, I think you're in the clear. Well, I may just that may influence my decision on when to head back that way. Because obviously, I need to be there tomorrow. Oh yeah, um, and so that may influence my decision uh, to drive earlier than what I thought I might. Hmm. Uh, for sure. Yeah, but, keep an uh, eye on that. Uh, hey, yeah. Quick program, programming note. Speaking of tomorrow, the uh, the 12U girls, the Oak City Oak at 12U State Champs, they're going to be in there tomorrow instead of Thursday. I mentioned Thursday. I uh, was when we originally scheduled that. They're going to we're going to bump that up a day. So the 12U Oak City Oak at State Championship winning uh, softball team will be in studio with us tomorrow morning, 9:30. Uh, for those girls to come by, and we'll see uh, what they thought of winning a state title. Very good. Very good. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk. Uh, well, what's on your mind, Aaron? Did you watch any of that baseball last night? No, uh, I didn't see anything. Uh, well, we I, were I, have, I have some thoughts that. about that. I have some thoughts sure. about um, the SEC's dominance in baseball. At least I think there's dominance there. We'll talk about that coming up. And I have a sad story for you, Aaron. It's going to break your heart. No, no. It's coming up next. Keep it right here. Skinny on Sports. Brought to you by Paul Jones Drug. Don't go anywhere. Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. The Skinny on Sports. Just a bit outside. 
Welcome back. Skinny on Sports brought to us by Paul Jones Drug on this Tuesday morning. Thank you to Paul or, uh, uh, Rodney Skinner over there at Paul Jones Drug. Experience compounding. That means they're the oldest compounding pharmacy in Elk City. Free local delivery, drive through pickup, curbside testing and vaccinations. Well, I think nowadays we can just say it's safe to go inside to do that too, but they'll still come to you if you can. Long-term care unit packaging. Those are blister packs and much, much more. We'll talk about them throughout the show. Thanks again to Paul Jones Drug. I'm Jared Athan. In studio, we have Aaron Kalk on the road. He's in Salisall. Uh, there for the 12U uh, OK Kids Baseball State Tournament. Giving us an update on that during our last segment. If you missed out, don't forget, we'll have this on our podcast as well. So, Aaron, I teased that we have a, I have a, a sad story. I probably should have queued up some sad piano music for this because this is going to break your heart. So I went home for lunch yesterday, and... Um, I, 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 uh, I was, my wife came home a little later and she goes out to our freezer into the garage to, uh, get something to eat. And she just screams oh, no. and I jump off my seat. I run out there and I said, what's wrong? And when she opened up the freezer, she, it was, it was, uh, it was warm. It stopped working. Who knows when? Oh. I don't know when the thermometer in there, it was blowing. But it was not blowing cold air. Uh, it said like, it was between like 75 and 80 degrees in there. Everything was thawed out. All of our meat, everything, every all of our we had chicken, we had hamburger beef, we had ev- everything. And I think I'm more upset, Aaron. Although we had to throw all of that out, so we got to start all over. We have to find a new freezer somewhere. Start, you know, replenishing all of our our uh, our meat. But we lost the Dr. Pepper float ice cream. Oh, no. Oh, no. I had maybe two spoonfuls of that thing before I got was able to, because we've been, we've just not been home. And I, it was, it was gone, all gone. So, again, I probably should have had some sad piano music playing because this one, I, it, it that one broke my, but I mean, we, I mean, all the meat's gone, so I, we're throwing out blue and gold sausage and and chicken strips and steaks and of course hamburger meat, all of it. And I'm thinking we're gonna make some kid very some FFA kid very very happy this upcoming year when we buy blue and gold this year because we're gonna be buying a lot to replenish that. So if anybody was wanting to know what can I get Atha for his 40th birthday, you can give me a pound of hamburger meat couple steaks just whatever you want to give us give me i'll take it for my freezer that or or yeah well i'll I'll buy the freezer but yeah so that's where we're at that's how uh, our day went yesterday and thankfully uh, it was so funny because it was trash day and Allie's like we got to get this meat out of here but my goodness if we said it's trash day we're gonna it's gonna sit in the heat in that trash can and so we got it and right when I'm wheeling the trash can to the curb, here comes the trash guy. So it, we timed that out pretty good. So it's gone, but but uh, all the meat's gone. It was, and now that freezer in there, it's uh, it's it's uh, I got to get rid of it and find a new one. So that's what we're dealing with. You know, so Kara's grandpa, uh, when he was alive, he would do a couple of different things. One. When there was dessert, like thinking about the, the Dr. Pepper ice cream, 
when there was desserts at, at his dinner, he would eat it first. And he would also, if there was multiple desserts, he would get a little bit of all of them. <laughs> but his rationale, his rationale for doing that was, you just never know. And so I think that's something you're going to have to start doing. Um, you're going to have to start eating dessert first because you just never know when you're going to go out to the freezer and instead of delicious Dr. Pepper float ice cream, you've got a soupy mess. So from now on, you need to start eating dessert first. I don't know what did it. The freezer, by the way, it was probably <laughs> old enough where it was. this was bound to happen. It, I mean, it was. it's well over 10 years old, and, and we obtained it from my grandparents and um and it was used then so i don't know how long it's been in use but i i don't know if it was because you know thursday last thursday we had that three hour power outage friday uh -huh. mid-morning that storm came through my wife who was at home because she thought she's got to be at softball all day she said the power flickered two or three times and um i wonder if that had something to do with it. I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing because it was on, but it was not blowing cold air. And um, I mean, she opened it up, and the thing was dripping and everything. It was it was a nightmare. But I wonder if the if the power. I don't know. But it was an old freezer, and, and appliances come and go, and you know, I you know it just bound to happen. What was the smell like? Not bad. Not so not like you'd think. It wasn't a long time. No, no. And everything's pretty well packaged, you know. I mean, there wasn't like refrozen stuff. Just stuff that hadn't been opened yet. Um right. because usually we'll when we open stuff, cook it and then we'll put it in the in, in the fridge or freezer in the house because we know okay, right. it's right here. We need to eat these leftovers before we open anything else up. So everything was was fine. It didn't the the ice cream. You know, there's some other dairy products in there that had melted, like ice cream and stuff. And it there wasn't a smell. I didn't notice the smell this morning. I I got a little bit of a funk because um, I think there is some uh, leftover melted stuff that's finally starting to smell. So that's what I have to deal with tonight is get that freezer out of the out of the. But we got all the meat out of there. If that stayed any longer, then that smell would have been horrendous. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's a bad deal, but whatever. Well, what can you do? Worst things in life, but we'll we'll be fine. But I was just jokingly, like I said, because a couple people lately have asked me, Jared, what do you want for your birthday? Your birthday's coming up. And now I think I'm all going to tell them is, you want to give me some meat? I don't care. Give me some meat. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so... I know, and I actually, I got a friend who, she will, uh, her and her husband will raise, they'll buy a cow, you know, a heifer, right. and just, just and feed it, just to, on a, have a, they have a small lot, large enough for a cow, and they'll raise that until it's ready to go off the butcher, and then they'll have a freezer full of meat, and I reached out to her and go, when are you buying a cow, because I might go halves on you, halves with you, <laughs> I help, help you out there, because, you know, we could both get half of it anywho but so that's what i'm doing with but i'm okay it'll be fine i'm looking at the uh i'm looking at the mesonet oh yeah now since you mentioned rain there is just a giant wall of rain heading this way oh uh, exactly sure uh, just looking at the radar i'm not exactly sure like pinpoint on this map where we are but it's hard to imagine at least some of that not 
raining down. Yes, that's the it, same storm that we dealt with. I'm looking at it with you, and when before we went on air, I was I always like to watch uh, the weather in my office, and that system was tracking I-40, and then they said it looks like that thing is moving northeast and would go up towards Tulsa. But now, like you said, I just pulled up, pulled up the radar too. It looks like it's kind of turned, and yeah, it's coming coming straight down, down I-40 again. South, yeah. It could go down uh, south. I don't know. I'm just not exactly sure where we're at as far as anyway. Hey, no offense, but um, us softball parents tough. dealt with the rain last week. Now it's your baseball parents' turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we were. That was a big discussion yesterday. Obviously, with the the way the regionals ended up for us and state tournament for y'all with the rain and <clears throat> the, the so okay kids is gone this year for the first time with pitch counts as opposed to outs and innings yeah. for the, the pitching rules. And that was a big discussion yesterday as far as, okay, when would you know, regionals are going to have to be played a lot earlier in the week before to make it make sense. If uh-huh. they're going to start to take around Monday, I mean, the, the regionals need, need to be wrapped up by like Thursday or Friday of the week prior right? in, in order to, you know, for, they, for you to be able to set that up. So that's going to be something to look for for next year. Uh, I think it was just one of those things that, that happened and maybe it's a little bit of ready firing as far as the implementation of it. Uh, but I would, I would imagine that would change just a little bit next year. Yeah, that will be interesting. And I wonder if that will have an effect on on softball because they don't like the inter- – you know, if they move stuff up, I don't know. I'm just curious. Personally, if um, they move dates around, I, I would prefer them not to conflict with the KCO Open. But <laughs> that's my humble opinion. So uh, last night, SEC again dominates the college baseball world. This time, LSU uh, defeated Florida for the title, eighteen to four. A lot of runs scored in that three-game series. It brings home their seventh baseball state title or state uh, national title. And it was at four or five in a row, maybe a little more, for the SEC. And there's even a list, and I lost it somewhere, but it shows there's a consecutive amount of times or years where an SEC team has played for the national title. Uh, they've just, and I mentioned this last week, talking about the SEC's, uh, uh, you know, how it's a different world when it comes to college baseball. And everyone looks at OU and Texas going to the SEC. And obviously, football will always be king. I mean, that uh, it's incredibly hard to trump just looking at the financial side of it all. But with the dominance of the SEC has had in football, I could almost argue that they've had more dominance in baseball. Is that a fair statement to say in your eyes, as dominant as they are and just how they approach the game of baseball with their stadiums and their fanatic fans? Just look at the Jello shot contest and, and all of that. I mean, I think this – when OU and Texas are moving, when they move to the SEC, yes, football will benefit and, and everything will in some extent. But if for me being a, a baseball fan and an OU fan, this excites me because they're going to have to catch up with facilities and in the competition if they want to compete in that conference. We've said that about football, sure, but baseball, uh, I right now I like the dominance that I'm seeing in the SEC 
in the base college baseball world because I think it'll make OU and Texas better on the on the diamond. What do you think? Uh, either you do or you just get eaten. Yeah, because it, it's it's a totally different world uh, between what's the, the the type of baseball and the the commitment to college baseball in the southeast versus everywhere else. Um, when you look at the national seeds, it's it's almost always half of that top 16 is SEC teams. When you look at what made the College World Series, it's littered with them. The final uh, series uh, was SEC teams. Third straight year that uh, there's been a national champion and also that, that national champion set the all-time record of those jello shots. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be a four straight year for that because good luck with where LSU put that put that pedestal with, with the Joe. I think last time I saw it was sixty four thousand something. Well, uh, uh, I think I saw a thing. A lawyer came in yesterday. Yeah, and bought like twenty thousand dollars worth. I could well, be exa- over exaggerating. Uh, yeah, I. I there's a receipt that was on Twitter somewhere. I'd have to look that one up too, but that I, mean, I was like, okay, we've got the record. Now we're going to make it unreachable. It's insane. Yeah, that, that was that was not being touched uh, no. anytime soon. Uh, and, and you know, even we joked about it once we saw that LSU was in it. Like, okay, uh, here comes the record. But in my wildest imagination, I wouldn't have thought that they would go over three times uh, the the record that Ole Miss set. Last year and their trip to the to the College World Series championship. And as far as uh, the game, it it was really kind of weird the way this the the series went because yeah, it's pouring down rain. By the way, I just hear I'm hearing it hit the glass. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, it, it's interesting how how it finished up because for the first you know, six of the first eight games were one run games. Uh, you had the other two were were six to three and six to four, so it was so highly competitive, and uh, one of the best college world series I think that we've ever seen. Um, and for it to end twenty four to four, Florida yesterday or the day about Sunday, and then eighteen to four in the clincher for LSU, uh, a little bit anticlimactic, I guess, uh, with the way that LSU wins it. But I think that um, for a lot of the year, most people thought it was Wake or it was LSU. Or the best two teams. I wish we could have seen that as the three-game series, uh, something that maybe um, gets talked about or, or reconfigured with some cross-bracketing like that the, the Women's College World Series does to try to avoid um, the situation we saw this year uh, with LSU and Wake being on the same side and not being able to get away from each other uh, after those national seeds. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a heck of a College World Series. College baseball definitely benefited from it. Um, and then when you just look at the all-time uh, records that were set, eight, eight one-run games, which is uh, tied for the most ever. He had three teams overcoming three or more run deficits. That's tied for the most ever. Uh, 30 home runs, that's the most since 2010. The most It's moved out of Rosenblatt in downtown. Um, Florida hit 17. That ties the record. From 1998, back before you know, when the bats were way more live uh, than what they are now, it just uh, and then the pitching. That that the I think the 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 lasting image or the lasting memory from this 
<clears throat> College World Series. We'll be back when, with the with that pitcher's duel between Paul Skeens and uh, Rhett Lauder with LSU and Wake, the one they gave the win into extra innings at uh, 0-0, into the 11th. Yes, yeah, that'll be a uh, one we'll always remember, too. I, I'm trying to look up um, – somebody had mentioned on the text line – last week about how there is a pitcher for LSU and I can't remember his name and you might know it who's from Oklahoma and the the complaint was how come we can't keep a guy like that in state and it goes back to my opening statement it's the SEC it's LSU it's uh, it's the huge stadiums and the wild fan bases that show up every game even if it's in March or or at the College World Series in Omaha buying jello shots. It, there's something different to it. And, again, that's why it excites me that OU and Texas are going to the SEC because I think you're more likely to keep those kids like that in-state. Yeah, and as much as like you, you mentioned football earlier, the challenge that that is and the, and the difference than that is, the difference between you know, SEC football and everybody else isn't nearly the gap that's the difference between SEC baseball and everybody else from a fan perspective, from a stadium perspective. It's just a, it literally does mean more. <laughs> that's a joke around, uh, you know, that, that slogan from the SEC. But if you just go take a trip down to LSU, take a trip over to Arkansas, take a trip anywhere in that, in that conference for a weekend baseball series, and then come back and look at what happens in, in the Big 12 or anywhere else. It is no comparison. The difference between what's there and what's uh, and what's here, at least right now. Well, what's good about the SEC is outside of Atlanta, and I'm I'm racking my brain as fast as I can. You you know you mentioned LSU. Well, they don't have a pro baseball team. Arkansas doesn't have a pro baseball team. They, of course, there's minor leagues all over the place, but they view that, in my opinion, their fans view that as this is our pro team. They have some, in some cases, those stadiums in the SEC are bigger than AAA stadiums, and they're packing them. Like I said, each and every, I mean, maybe not all the time, but almost every Saturday, they're packing them and they're going crazy. When you come over here, and I mean, I'm not, please don't take this the wrong way, OSU fans, but yeah, they have an SEC type stadium, but is it packed every Saturday? I, right, you no, know what I mean? Answer, no. no. And and obviously um Eldell Mitchell needs some work in and in, in Norman and it's not packed. I mean there's they actually set some kind of an attendance record this year I believe, but it it trumps in comparison to a normal Saturday in the spring in SEC country. It just does. Yeah. I mean no offense, but oh you know you have a hard time getting as many people on on a weekend series as Arkansas loads in there in one game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what helps all of this, because people say, well, why people are interested in spring sports. Just look at OU and OSU in softball. They're going to those games. Well, why? Because they're winning, and they're winning at a high level, and they're getting the World Series year in and year out. Once OU and OSU do that in baseball, the fans will arrive. It's simple as that. It's the same thing about basketball. If they win at a high level, people will fill the stands. It is as simple as that. But it, but well, maybe it isn't because I don't know how Arkansas looked this year on the field, but I can tell you their fans were there. I, they show up. Oh no doubt. So uh, no doubt about it. I found the I found the uh, 
the 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 Jello shot. Uh, the LSU fan and Baton Rouge lawyer has purchased nearly nine thousand Jello shots at a cost of forty four thousand four hundred forty four bucks at local bar. That, this is a tweet from Darren Robel. Nine thousand. <laughs> that's just running up the score. That is. That's what I'm saying. It, it's okay. We got the record. Now we're going to make it untouchable. And it has a picture of the receipt. And it, in each item line, it has to stop at five hundred dollars. <laughs> they have to add another one and another one. Like so, it's a hundred, hundred. It's an. It's unreal. Unreal. Do you think all of those are consumed? Yes. By the LSU fans? Absolutely. What do you think the staff is thinking? I mean, do you think they have 9,000? How many do you think they pre-make? Oh, my gosh. Because this has become (laughs) such a popular thing. Do you think they have to bring in like a temporary refrigeration system just just for the Jell-O shots? Uh, So I think they get them made off-size. Yeah. And they bring them in. They bring and, them in, and, and then it goes to like half of the proceeds go to the food bank of Omaha. Right. I didn't realize this. Uh, that, that you know, it just seems like kind of a goofy, cool contest. Turns out it's actually a big, huge deal, like for the for the community as well. It's not just oh yeah, I'm raising a bunch of you know making a bunch of money. They're actually giving it back too. So it, I think that probably helps a bit. Oh, I mean, it, it's hard to fathom, right? Yeah. I mean. From the text how line, do just, how do you just make a hundred thousand of those? Things? No, yeah, it, well, from the text line, a um, little bit more insight from a man Scott said they ran out of Jello and just did shots. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the deal: after after an eighteen to four win and a national title, Jello shots were not the only thing consumed by LSU fans last night in Omaha. There may not be <laughs> a drop of alcohol left in the entire state of Nebraska. Said the lawyer uh, said start happened. a tab with the money and serve everyone until the money is gone. So he basically went up there with I guess do you think he carries around forty four grand and said <laughs> when when the when it's done, it's done. He said so not just LSU fans. So everyone everyone was living that but it but it went to the count of the jello shot. For the for LSU, for LSU, yeah. and you know it. I get it. the The ego there of we're the best, and and we're we're going to make this a record that no one can obtain. But I I would hope that he was thinking, this is like you said, this is going to a good cause. So I could feel good about this for two reasons: for helping out the LSU fans and helping out this food bank locally. So I bet the that's a that's a, that's a cool way to uh, to generate money for a for a good cause, though. But yeah, I bet that bar was dry at the end of the night. But there's nothing no, left. That one, that one, and everyone, all the others. Yeah, it's, it's not just uh, <laughs> not just Rocco's uh, was enjoying the uh, the economic bump from the LSU fans. <laughs> hey, let's take one more break. We'll come back and um, we'll wrap things up. Uh, get a kind of a recap of what we think is going to happen today over in Salas. Although you said. It's already starting to sprinkle a little bit over there, so the schedule might all change. Uh, Before we do that, thanks again. Paul Jones Drug, today's Tuesday sponsor. They do convenience packaging, which means individual packaging for your daily meds. That's, you know, throw away the pill caddy. Uh, It could be all individually packed and labeled uh, for your convenience. It could put Monday on it, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Go over there and check that out. DME, Durable Medical Equipment. That means walkers, canes, crutches, wraps, braces, stuff like that. They have gifts and greeting cards. Uh, 
Most insurance is accepted. They're at 809 North Main Street, right here in Elk City. Paul Jones Drug Care, you can trust. Call them up, 580-225-2121. Taking a timeout. We'll come back and wrap up the show. It is the Skinny on Sports, Jared Athens Studio. Aaron Calc on the road in Salisaw. Don't go anywhere. Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients with their drive-through window, curbside service, and free local delivery. It's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug. 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? The Skinny on Sports. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome back, Skinny on Sports. 98.1 FM, 1240 AM, KADS, the sports animal. Jared Atha with you on a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. As we've had rain move through the area, but our man Aaron, who's on the road in Salisaw, that rain that we woke up to, it's now knocking on his door as he's over there for the 12U OK Kids State Baseball Tournament. Uh, the Crushers getting a big win uh, yesterday, so uh, they're in the driver's seat uh, more or less, and um, hopefully they can continue that today. We'll get a full rundown of that coming up. Before we do that, Aaron, I want to talk about Rule 14. Um, we kind of this was kind of late breaking, not late breaking. That came down yesterday from the OSSAA regarding uh, where uh, uh, the, the trying to equal the playing field more or less. And based off of just one tweet from our man Mark Rogers, who we talked off air, we're going to try to get him on once this dust kind of settles and we kind of really get into those dog days of summer, which really we only have about a month of. We'll get him on and maybe get some clarification on, on all of this. But um, have you, from what you've seen about it, what do you know about it, Aaron? What I mean, you're smarter than me. I, I openly admit that. What do you can you break this down for me and for our listeners? It has to do with kind of the classification of those private schools, um, and you know the more success they have the the more the the enrollment numbers i mean they matter from where they start but then they have to you know there's there's processes of with success they bump up into different classifications uh, to try to level that playing field out so um at this point 5a is as high as they could go and that has changed to 6a2 so you're going to see you know, some of those really successful private schools. I mean, the one that pops out to me would be Bishop McGinnis uh, as a 5A right now, can now be in 6A2. Uh, you wonder, you know, Heritage Hall is that one that can, you know, end up being there, but it, in different sports. But it does still cap the, the jump for football to two classes. So you're not going to see, you know, if, if it'll say, Heritage Hall, for instance, if they've got a 2A enrollment uh, ADM figure, they're not going to be 6A2 in football. They can just get to 4A, right? And so uh, that's something that's, that's interesting. I think another thing that's interesting um, about this on the, from the public school side of it is before when a team would, if a private school would bump up, the team that bumped down was strictly enrollment-based. Now it's going to be 
um, performance-based in, in, w- w- amongst those schools that are kind of on the edge with their enrollments. What that means is it's like the, the smallest two or three schools in a certain classification, whichever one has been the worst, basically, will be the one that gets to bump down. And so I, I think they feel like that uh, might give that whatever that public school is a better chance in a, in a lower classification uh, by by virtue of them not having success, frankly. It's interesting, and it's, it's again, an attempt to even the playing field because there's always the argument of public versus private and how do you make that more fair because, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum about how some people feel there are advantages there for the private schools uh, with what they can offer certain students with abilities and and what public schools can't. Uh, there's thought that open transfer might help even that playing field out, not – don't think that necessarily is the case. Um, so, and then the, in this tweet from Mark Rogers, it said, boys and girls sports now not paired together in move-ups, which I'm, I got a flurry of questions on that one. Uh, what does that mean? Is, does that, for obviously for basketball reasons, um, if, you know, obviously you can have, we see a lot where a one, like a girls team is really, really good and a boys team's just not. I'm looking at a license tag right across from me where that just happened this year. Um, and so what does that mean? I mean, when it comes to playoffs, if you got a girls team that's moved up to, say, I don't know, 4A, and your boys team is still in, in 3A, how does that work? I mean, I guess they're in completely different. That It literally is that. Um. Yeah, it seems really weird uh, as far as the basketball goes to think about not not having those uh, the district set right. I mean, like so in four A, for instance, it's just two team districts. Yeah, but what happens if if one of those private schools on the, on the girls' side is a four A school? Yeah, the other is. I mean, so. So how does this? Uh, I think there's a lot of things to to work through. You know, I, I that's one thing. It, it's a travel thing, and it, but the one that's always been kind of a a weird one for me when you draw up the playoff, the, you know, the basketball bracket, let's say, mm-hmm. and how much you know, how much less balanced. It can possibly be because of the situation, like you talked about, if you have a really good girls team and a terrible boys team or vice versa, how that, it's not really seated right. Because you're forcing a round peg in a square hole with some of these teams that, that aren't balanced boys and girls. Now, now if you got, you know, Dale, who's winning the 2A state title in boys and girls, yeah, that, that'll be balanced because both of those teams are good. But if you've got some others, you know, it, it, it's, an, it's almost an advantage to have a, a really good team, say a really good boys team, that's dragging, that their girls are dragging them along, right? And your, your bracket gets easier. So I wonder how much is it, it's going to affect private schools, obviously. It says it is. Will this, in turn, change the way that it's drawn up, period. Are we going to see teams, girls and boys, split 
within their, even though they're in the same class, are we going to see them going separate ways to make the bracket more balanced? And, I don't know. And let me tell you who that's. Just that possibility. Yeah. And this is a nightmare for so many reasons if that's the case. One, schools don't want to do that. They'd rather take one bus full of kids other than two and not have to pay for the expenses to do that. Uh, we're not financially stable. I mean, let's face it. I mean, it, pro- public schools are penny pension, and they do not want to take fill up two gas tanks. And two, right. what do you and me do? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what if what if the, the Trojans are going one north and the Trojanettes yeah. are going south? Then how how am I going to cover that? It's, know, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. Well, you know what the Big Elks and the Elkettes? It's a it's it's a conundrum. That was one of the very first things I thought about. Was okay. Wait a minute. If they're not going to be not only not even not on in the same like bracket or part of a bracket, they're not even going to be in the same class. Now, how does that work for for folks like us trying to cover it? It doesn't. I'll tell you. It does it not. Work. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> there are times it feels like we're asked to be in two places at once, and somehow we juggle it and we get it done. But we can't do that. We can't be in two places at once. It might be, I don't know, and hopefully that's not a situation that we have to go through. But, again, we're we're going to reach out to Mark Rogers, see if we can get him on. I'm gonna, I think it's wise we just give him time to figure it out, and, um, and we'll go from there and uh, – See what happens, but uh, it's interesting. I mean, I get it, and it's a novel idea to try to to uh, even the playing field. And I know what other people are thinking. Why don't we just split it up? Private have their own league, public have their own league. It seems like the simple simplest uh, explanation or solution, but I bet it's not as simple as most people think. I'm sure there's. It's just not as simple. So, but um. Again, we'll talk about that with him when we get him on. Uh, hey, give me uh, – we're running up against the clock. Let's pretend it's not raining. Uh, give us a rundown again uh, what you're doing to, with what the Crushers look like today, uh, their schedule, and um, and just give us a preview of today's action over there at the 12U Baseball State Tournament. Okay, yeah, for just local-wise, uh, Cheyenne will play an elimination game at 2 o'clock against Salisaw's Cowboys. Um, it thinks, yeah, it, that's what it's scheduled. And then, yeah, the Crushers being the uh, winner's bracket against Anadarko is supposed to be at six. Uh, so those will be. And today's game those is, it, it almost feels like a first round of the regional basketball tournament in a lot of ways. You know, because if you, if you win that first round of regionals, then you're two wins away from state. If you lose that first round of regionals, you're five wins away from state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in the, and in this way, if you win tonight, you're one win away from the Final Four. And a day off on Thursday, which means no pitching. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's a huge advantage. Um, but if not, then you go down and you're going to have to win a multitude of games to be able uh, to make it into that Final Four. And then at that point, what do you have left uh, arm-wise uh, to be able to combat teams that uh, you're going to play a team that won three straight games uh, as, a, as a runner-up in a bracket? So, uh, tonight's a it's a huge huge difference in uh, what it what it could look like on Friday uh, between a win and a loss. Very good. Well, hopefully everything's on time. Hopefully whatever rain's coming your way. Just I was just glancing at the radar. Where do you go? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to get rain, but it almost looks like it's trying to weaken up. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe it could 
Maybe if you're lucky, it goes south of you, but we'll see what happens. So, All right, Aaron, you're back with us tomorrow, correct? We have a special yep. guest in studio. Yep, I'll be there tomorrow. We'll have the 12U Elk City Elkett state champs on the softball field joining, it, joining us. That'll be 930 uh, for those gals. I'm sure Denny will be there, Denny Gino as well. So that'll be a lot of fun uh, to, to get their thoughts on just an absolute domination of their tournament, 67-5. to five, They beat their opponents on the way to the state championship. Man, if that doesn't scream bright future for the Elkett softball program, I don't know what does. Excited to get those girls in here. I think I might have to clean up the studio to make room for them. <laughs> it's on my list today. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one that's supposed to talk our leg off, so we'll see if you'll uh, get the stage fright or not. All right. Hey, be careful driving back. We'll, talk to, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right, man. Thanks. That was Aaron Calgate. We got to go. It's the Skinny on Sports. Take care. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust.